What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. I am Gary Fox, associate pastor, probably not of the month, though, because I missed some podcasts. You've missed a lot. We haven't been doing podcasts because of you guys. And with us, as always, Mark Sherry, the pastoral candidate, definitely not of the month due to missing that and other things. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyways, uh, it is good to be back with all, uh, well, the two of you, the three of us being back and uh, looking for uh, some other guys who have talked about coming on. Maybe if you're listening to this and you want to come uh, be a part of it, uh, let us know. We'd, we'd love to have you uh, come on and talk with us or at least listen. Live live audience is always live good. Studio gallery. Yeah, live studio audience. So last week um, we talked about uh, our departure from the SBC and got into the beginning of the doctrines of grace, a very basic overview. And what we want to do for like the next five weeks or so is uh, break down the doctrines of grace based off of the acronym TULIP um, that we described to you all in the last episode. I would encourage you, if you didn't get to listen to the last episode and you want to listen particularly to the doctrines of grace, jump to about the 30-minute mark of uh, the last episode and just get caught up before we go any further. But we're going to be breaking down today total depravity of man, the T and the tulip. So, uh, first off, uh, Brother Mark, why is this doctrine important and what are its implications to man? Well, it's important because it's uh, clear, not just ostensibly, but you can look around and find total depravity, not just in the body uh, physically, but also in the mind in the will, uh, and also it's very clear in the Word of God. I think this is one of those doctrines that people uh, are hard-pressed to try to argue against. Um, so it's nature reveals it, Scripture reveals it, and if we don't, if we are not accurately assessing where we are prior to conversion, then that changes the nature of our evangelism, the way we counsel each other. I mean, it has far-reaching implications into everything we do. Okay. Well, what's interesting so, is when you say it's hard to argue against, those that want to argue with the other points of the tulip ultimately have to, to some degree, argue against total depravity. 100%. Because you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have total depravity and what is commonly referred to as free will. Right. You, you can't have both of those things going on at the same time because either the depravity is not total or the will is not free, like completely libertarian free. So one or the other has got to be true. Yeah. So, Pastor Gary, can you give us uh, your definition, uh, if you were just going to explain real quick one sentence, what is the doctrine of the total depravity of man? Uh, I mean, to put it like in layman's terms, because there's, there's some real technical definitions out there, but the way I would describe it is that there is nothing, there is no part of the human uh, person that is not enslaved hmm. to sin. Hmm. Um, or in bondage to sin. Your body is, your mind is, even if you separate mind and heart. Which would be like the total part, yeah, right? Yeah, the Not total depravity. Right. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the average, you know, pagan out there is as depraved as he could be, right? It just means that, that uh, 
there's nothing, there's no part of him or her that is uh, that is free from the depravity. They have the, they have the seed of every conceivable sin in their heart. Yes, not and not it binds and right. it binds them. It's literally yes. killing them. It kills your body. It kills your mind, and it it it, it, it you're you're bound. Now some people are affected. You know the way that plays out. You know some people become garden variety pagans that are selfish but they're not really all that harmful to others to any major degree and they kind of live what we would commonly refer to as a good life right. and then some people for whatever reason that that bondage drives them to rape and to murder or god knows what else satan work you know open uh you know torturing animals and all kinds of weird stuff um but both of those types or extremes i would say all of them are they're bound it's just it's just the difference in how it's playing out in, in an individual but there's nothing that's not enslaved to sin right yeah and G jesus says whoever sins is a servant or slave of sin they can't do anything i should say we in our original sin nature can't do anything but sin it's like being in a straitjacket. and he says unless the sun sets you free you're you're not free, right? And so you remain in that state of total bondage. And that's right. where the problem comes in with when we say free will. Well, then we're not bound. <laughs> right. At least our will is not bound to sin. And now there's all kinds of problems when, if you start saying that, which that's where you know it all. It, all of these points matter, and it really does start with as far as what concerns us, total depravity. When, when you get your mind around that concept then the other points are logical like you know so you believe that you believe jesus christ saves okay so you believe those two things then the rest of the points they fall into place lot in a logical order um as a result of your understanding that we're totally depraved right and uh, you know something You'll hear from us often, especially from the pulpit, something I mentioned is, is this doctrine. Because it, it gives us an understanding of who we are, our need for Christ and uh, for his sacrifice on our life, his, his paying the penalty, his redeeming of us, uh, because we're totally depraved. And, and the way that I've dubbed it, and it's not original uh, to me, but the, the thing that stuck out in studying this is the men who have said this, um, is that... This doctrine teaches us that we are not as bad as we can be, but we are as bad off as we can be. And really that goes into one of the verses uh, that we've got to know from Paul. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but where he says, no one's good, no, not one. What is that? Romans, Romans 3. three. Yeah. Uh, Romans no one seeks after God. 11. Like no one. 311. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> important to, to understand that because when we talk about this, this doctrine gets rid of this mindset of a, a works-based or a good enough faith without proclamation yes. in Christ as Lord. And that's and, why, how, what do you mean everybody's going to go to hell? There's good people out there. When you understand total depravity, then you, you see the connection there. Yeah, and, and you have to begin to grasp this um, because we don't, and, and nor does any Orthodox Christian, uh, believe in works-based faith. Um, we don't look to ourselves. We look to Christ and what He did on our behalf. So this doctrine gets that, really, that weight off your shoulders too. Because when you begin to look at the other points, you're no longer looking to yourself, which you shouldn't be doing anyways. Um, but what would you say, um, Brother Mark, to, to someone who's who's 
wrestling with this and is, is dealing with, um, but there are good people out there. Like, yeah. how, how do you yeah. balance that, the scripture where it says no one's good? Aren't people somewhat good? Yeah, I mean, when, when you, so people are shocked when they read Romans uh, 3, 10 through 18. I've, I've had people who really think that most are good natured and they read that and they're just, their world is rocked. And so the way I help people see it and the way that helps me is I, I put it in different categories. So I say by my standard, right, by my worldly, even as a Christian standard, yeah. yeah, I think some people are good people. And I use this in evangelism. If I particularly favor someone, I think they're a good guy, the, the term uh, loosely used, so you know, you're a good guy. You work hard, you take care of your family, right. you don't steal, you don't rape, you don't pillage, you don't kill. You know what? You're a good guy. That's my standard. And I say, unfortunately, you won't be judged on my standard. You'll be judged by God's holy standard, the law. And, and that's where, really, when you compare it, even the, the, fire, the fireman who runs into the building to save the burning baby, sacrifice something, that is a good thing. But why does he do that? He does that. Maybe if he's a Christian, he does that for the glory of God. If he's not a Christian, he does that for his own glory, selfishly. He doesn't do it because of love for God and man. And, or at least uh, in part. In, in part, yeah. At the end of the day, the real motive of, of the, the unbeliever is pretty much selfishness. And, and, and so that's, that's how I break it down, and I find that helpful. I mean, he may have some empathy, common grace, sure, empathy for yeah, all the little babies yeah, and stuff. Absolutely. But there is, there is that mingling. Right. There is that mingle. It's total. There's no part mm-hmm. of any of like motivation or anything that's not mingled in sin. Right. And so he, just for the, you know, there, I'm sure that there are firemen out there that don't know Jesus that yes. that would die before well, they would let a baby because they're scared for the, you know, they, they have an empathy. Yes. But from God. They're from God. But that, it's, they, it is still mingled with selfishness in there because what would people think of me if I didn't, if I didn't go save that baby? I can't let people think bad of me. I can't blah, 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 blah. So there's always a selfish or sinful element to everything humans do. Here's how the scriptures put it. So plowing your field is good, right? It provides life for people's sustenance. But the scriptures say that the plowing of the wicked is sin. So doing good things, right? You you have to to remember, um, and this goes back to, I think one of the most important questions is, you know, why, why are we sinners? Are we sinners? You know, are you a sinner because you sinned? Or um, are you a sinner because you were born that way? And, you know, what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it's, it's really important for the person who sees in Scripture total depravity that you sin because you are a sinner, because you were born that way, right? Yeah, that's so R.C. Sproul, I've got it up here. I was going to say that. R.C. Sproul says we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Right. So that's, that's what I try and explain, and, and I hope that you all listening are comprehending this. You don't, at some point later on, decide to defy God um, by your uh, free will. You were born. You're like Paul. Paul describes us children of wrath by nature. You yes. used the word nature earlier, and I think we need to to comprehend that because you you look into nature and you see how the created order is. You see animals live and and act the way that they were created to act, and and we. 
though not created that way, like originally, right? Before sin, Adam and Eve, they, they were not created sinners. Uh, they sinned, and being our uh, spiritual parents, yeah. we've inherited that. It's like some of us, you know, like, oh, I wish I didn't have this nose, but I got it from my dad. And it's like, well, I wish I didn't sin, but I got it from Adam. And now I play it out. Every chance that my nature gets to show itself apart from Christ, it will choose sin. And it could be, like you're saying, uh, it could look outwardly good, but think about the intention. So that's what's crazy about the nature of man apart from Christ is that, that we are not always exposed um, to our sin. People aren't always exposed to our sin because we do things outwardly good, even with the wrong intention, yeah. which the Bible says is sin, Just right? Think like, about even like, uh, think about uh, like for the ladies. So, like, you're, you're, you know, you've got your circle of friends, and uh, one, one, one of the girls that you know or whatever is very sexually promiscuous, right? And so then there's this gossip that goes on, and she's slutty, and she's this, she's that. And it's not, it's so I, I'm not like that. I'm not, I don't act like that, right? And why? What's motivating that? Well, I don't want people to say that I'm slutty, and I don't want people to think of me like this, and I don't want, there's always that element within humanity, which is, we, we're, we're bound by so, that type of thing. So like, it yeah. is not that... Right. My only motivation is to honor God with my body, truly, 100%. Right. That's it. That's the answer. No, none of us can say we think like that. There is this, you know, like, you don't know what that girl has been through, what she's trying to find, and what, what's driving her to act like that. But you also have sin in your life that's actually keeping you from acting like that. It's a different. It's a different manifestation of, of selfishness or a mm. craving for acceptance, which is why she's act. The one girl's acting like this, but you also are craving acceptance with your circle. Is what I'm trying to say. So there's no. So obviously, acting you know promiscuous is sinful. But you, just because you're not doing that, doesn't make you less sinful. Your sin is manifesting in pride. And, and judgmentalism over her. It's just, and it's no worse. It's no worse, no better. It's all sin. So nobody is better than it. You're not better than the girl who's being promiscuous. Your your sin just looks different, and your motivation for not acting like her is also marred with sin. And and there, there's no one who's a Christian who says people aren't sinners, right? You you're just not a Christian. What does John you say about those people? People what does said, John oh, say? Yeah, yeah. They, no they deny God. Yes. They denied the truth. I mean, well, I think what's beautiful is what you're saying is it, that that question is literally posed in the scriptures. Yes, yes. yes. Like, if we say we have not sinned, we we do liars. not. Yes, yeah. we're liars and we're denying Him. We're denying His word. Uh, we're not confessing the truth. And and so what where the rub comes down in Christianity between the two sides, I, I think comes down to the inability aspect, right? So yeah. the Arminian comes in and says no. Every person has prevenient grace. Right. They have the ability, the free will liberty to respond to God's salvation, believe themselves. the gospel within already what's been accomplished by Christ that's liberally applied to all. And then they struggle, you know, they really struggle in logic with, well, why do some people go to hell? But the, the doctrines of grace under Calvinism, even the canons of Dort, very, very clear 
that uh, they that the will is bound in such a way that apart from the sovereign, gracious, active work of God in the person to raise them from the dead, they will remain in that state forever. And this goes back to Romans, you know, back to the sin nature, Romans 5. Uh, this goes back to covenant theology, how, uh, you know, we, we sinned in Adam. It wasn't just Adam acting independently. Uh, Romans 5 says here that, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin is indeed... So, so basically, all sin. We sinned in Adam. We partook in his sin. He is our covenant federal head. When he died spiritually, we in him died. And when we were born physically, we are dead, which is the whole purpose of why we need to be born again. That is regeneration. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't think you can know exactly, like if you deny eternal conscious torment, the doctrine of hell, classical doctrine of hell in scripture and history, then you don't really appreciate the salvation, right? If you don't believe that you are spiritually dead, incapable of responding to God, then you can't really appreciate the gracious work of God right. that he showed you in his love to raise you from the dead. You know, it's Lazarus couldn't come out of the tomb. The dry bones couldn't come together. Uh, this, th that's, that's the real rub is total inability. And that's where Christians fight over it. Uh, and you, you'll see. It's hard to do, though. The, 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 I mean, it's just, it is an insurmountable doctrine. I, I don't know how in the world you read the Bible any other way. Like the, uh, as far, especially on total depravity. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 64, verse 6, I look, the way he describes this, says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds, so good things, running and saving the baby, right, from the fire, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Polluted. So there is an element, I'm sure, of goodness, common grace, motivating that. But all of our righteous deeds are polluted. They're pollu it's like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Notice the possessive language there. The iniquities take us away. We are bound in and of ourselves in, by our iniquities, by our sin. So there's no part of our life that's not polluted by this depravity, which is why we need Jesus. If that's not the case, then we don't need him in that area. Right. It's interesting that, just real quick, your point, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So that's talking about the good things. Yes. So if the good things that we do with bad yes. motives, a bad heart, yes. uh, because a, you know a, a bad tree will produce bad fruit, and we're all bad trees when we're born. I mean, you think about that. Yeah. Even our righteousness. And by the way, that word filthy rags, oh, yeah. in the Hebrew, it actually refers to menstrual cloth. So it's a very, very offensive, ceremony uh, unclean item. Like the most unclean thing. That, yes, very offensive. Uh, within that system and so you know within that mosaic system of the ceremonial laws so it's it's like the pinnacle it's like saying the prodigal son filthy. went to yes. the pig's sty and lived there 
Um, and that's the good things we do. So mm-hmm. Paul talking about <clears throat> the law and sin and, and Romans 7, it really shows us this nature and this inability to come to Christ um, in our current state, that we need God to intervene, not just simply die on the cross, but now actively um, save us, right? draw us to himself, give us the Holy Spirit, grant us faith and repentance, um, which is something that I want to get into. So let's get back around to that. If, if, the, if total depravity is a real doctrine, how can man come to Christ? But before we get there, I want to lay this out there from Romans 7. I'll pick up, uh, if, if you're listening, just read Romans, um, but really Romans 7 here, because um, I'm going to jump down to verse um, uh, 14, and then I'll read uh, quite a few verses. But it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Paul like talks about like like I don't think that we wrap our minds around being enslaved to sin. Like right. what that means. Yeah. Like like put it into like American terms of like slavery, like in bondage. Right. Do you think that they like were just like, hey, I, I wanna go, I'm I'm gonna take off now. Right. Well, they yeah. probably saw like what freedom looked like, but they were enslaved and, and you know what though and not every slave was treated harshly not so you you could have like to your point about not realizing how much of a slave you are so you there was a lot of slaves after the civil war for example that stayed on the plantation lots of them their kids left but they stayed on and they kept working right for the for the landowner right so if you were treated relatively decently okay you may not fully understand mm. the implication you can't leave fish doesn't you, know what wet is yeah you, right you you don't understand now obviously if you're being beat every day you got a clue like this isn't yeah. good yeah but if you were treated well respectfully i mean they, a lot of them were not they were treated all like kind of like family isn't that the good That's, comparison too that like sometimes we think in our sin we're not seeing our judgment ahead of us it's like man this feels good this is great this is i can, i can do this i can do that i can live freely but really what we don't see is the spiritual war and the reality is, yeah a waging war for your soul and and your nature by your nature you're cool with suppressing the truth for your momentary gain of, mm-hmm. of relief, like yeah. that, that I can live technically free here, right? Like I'm doing the yeah. Dr. Evil, the quotation, like free, yeah. um, but it's not free because there's, there's, there's a price to pay for that. 
So for God's people, he sets them free from that depravity. He gives them life. So we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. So you go from being bound to one to the other. And this is why it's easier. This is why it's easier for people who recognize their depravity. I'm not saying easier to be saved. The process of salvation is essentially the same. Christ paid for it. But you look in Christ's time or in ours, those who were the sinners, the publicans, the tax, you didn't have to convince them that they were such. And they were the ones who flocked to Christ. It It was the Pharisees who thought they were good, who did not think they were totally depraved. So you go downtown and you find someone who's addicted to meth and they're doing, you know, ungodly things consistently in their life, you don't have to convince them, hey, you were born with original sin, but you go to a really affluent neighborhood where everybody's smiling, everybody's dressed nice, hey, you're a sinner. No, I'm not. Right. I contribute to society. Yes. Right? So, so that, and here's the is, thing. So, like, back to the analogy of American slavery, where lots of the slaves, lots of the slaves were uh, treated, again, we're talking about relatively to other slavery, forms of slavery. They were treated decently, right? They, they were not being flogged all the time and whatever. So imagine you're raised this way. You were born into this slave household, and you, you, you work on this plantation. And the lady of the house is affectionate with you. She gives you hugs. And if you're working hard, you know, the, the, land, the owner, the landowner may pat you on the back, tell you, hey, you're doing a really good job, you know, nice job, nice work. Hey, take the day off, you know, he does nice things and so forth. And you're living in that environment and you're told you're a slave. You may go, no, I'm not. I'm not. I I work here, but I'm not a slave. Right. When the reality is you are a slave. Right. Like you're not feeling like a slave. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make you not a slave. But the proof is you can't say no. You can't leave. You can't go do something else. And then that's when the reality would hit you that if you decide you want to move to New York, no, you're staying in Birmingham. You are not. You are a slip. All of a sudden, reality would hit when you try to be free, even though you felt like, no, I'm not not really a slave. I mean, I mean, nobody's totally free. You know, I know I'm not perfect, but, you know, that's how people think. But I'm not a slave to sin. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Just because you're not, and some people, and I don't know why, under the providence of God, some of the slaves were beaten frequently, okay? Your slavery may not have felt like that, and some people out in the world, sin has literally wore them out, and you go present the gospel to them, and oftentimes, they are like, they just receive it. Because they're helpless. They're just like, whoa. And I don't know what the difference is, but just because you're not feeling it, or like Michael was saying, like, Hey, I, I guess you want to say, get away with this, or I'm doing this, I'm free. You're not free. Right. You're not free. And the, the delay in the pain doesn't indicate the reality of your slavery. It, does, it has nothing to do with that. Right. You are a slave. Yeah. So, if then we are totally depraved, how can a depraved man receive Christ? Yeah, so, so glad you asked. That, because it says all of our our iniquities take us all away. So right. how? What? Yeah. So so here here's the beauty of the gospel, and, and a, a couple things. One is that we don't seek after God. Right. No, no, you can you can say you're looking for God. You're not looking for the God of the Bible. 
right? Because our nature, we hate God in and of ourselves. We hate him. We were born God haters. Now we might like the idea of God, or religion, a good old you know shepherd up in the sky who's guiding us along. Religion, this. But when you when you see God with the eye of faith, your soul abhors Him. And the best news that you can ever hear is that God, He sought you. He accomplished salvation you could never accomplish two thousand years ago. So salvation, redemption, already done, already finished, and. He extends a gracious hand to all who will, and God, through his spirit, pursues those whom he has chosen, which is the next topic, to be his people, his peculiar possession, and he gifts them with faith, and he grants them repentance, and we don't see any of this before it doesn't before feel like we come it. no because because we feel like, like we're in control and you did you believed you repented why did you believe why did you repent you were older because when you got God, saved so you probably yes. remember that I, you I made remember, a decision I'm going to start reading my Bible I'm going to yes. do this I'm, I remember feeling hopeless and helpless a sinner condemned with guilt and shame and then. All I did was I read my Bible. I felt convicted. I didn't understand everything, but I read about Jesus being the Son of God dying on the cross. Did you feel like this was something I, you decided, I'm going to do this? No, no. It was, it was very clear that God had done this to me. Very clear. Because you know what? Prior to this, I had said the sinner's prayer. I had uh, written tearful poems and prayers to God. I had saw him, you know, crying out in desperation, whether it was for salvation or whatever. I tried a lot of things. And it was not until I, God gave me the eyes to see his Christ on that cross. And all I, all I did was I just believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. I didn't understand much other than that, that I was a great sinner and that Christ was a greater Savior. And, and I knew it was him. I knew I could not do this myself. It was his gracious gift. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's all of grace. It's all of God, really. Hmm. Man, it's so good when you, when you think about that. And, and I think the downfall would be to sit here and, and wrestle with like, okay, well, man doesn't have to have a response or all are totally, we're not robots. Right. right. But yeah. your repentance and faith in Christ has to do with what he's doing in you. Um, and, and it goes into like really the last soul to God be the glory alone. Like we don't look to ourselves, We don't look to our ability. Like, and even remembering, um, and, and, and from Genesis to revelation, we, we read the, the very words, but you also see it played out that God is not choosing the most able. God is not choosing the most likely, the most gifted, um, old Testament and new Testament alike. The, the words remain the same that he is choosing the least likely mm. To display his glory. Right, he's yes. not a respecter of persons. Like the weak, not. the foolish. Yeah, yes. Because that's how you display your glory. Right. And, and an example here would be um, I started playing, uh, and luckily he doesn't listen to this. It's one of our uh, kids in the church. But we started playing this Rocket League game. It's like soccer with RC cars on a video game. And I'm really good at that game. I've been playing a while. I'm, I'm good. And he just started. So he's not. we're not in the same wavelength. But if I want to show off my skill... I get him on my team and win because I can't say that I rested yeah. on him. Like I've got a picture yeah. of like me with like eight goals and he had like right. zero points and like nothing. So it's like choosing him as a teammate is a way for me to display my glory. But who gets to win? We do. 
collectively. So you are a victor in Christ, though you did nothing except contribute your sin to it, right? Like Jonathan Edwards says, you did nothing, you contributed nothing to your salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. Now, don't take away the responsibility of repenting and believing, but believe in your belief that Christ did something in you that you could never do in yourself and praise him because of it. Like, yeah, it leads you to a place of worship that is... That is so pure and is so dependent. So, like in your analogy, like you would get the glory because you scored the eight goals, but he gets to participate in the victory. Yes, right, right. He can talk smack to the other team for all I care. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead, buddy. You, we and, won. And there's a similarity. It's on my back, but yeah. I, I mean, Adam being the federal, our federal head, right? He made the decision for us on our behalf. Just like if our president decided to go to war, guess what? We're at war with him, or you know, one team, one football player gets flagged on the football team. The whole team gets penalized. They all partake in that penalty. Right. Um, just like Adam made that decision for us, us and him. So we are redeemed, renewed, restored in what Christ did on the cross, and we're said to have lived with him, died with him, been buried with him, risen with him, ascended with him. There's a there's a union where he is now our covenant federal head. We were taken out of Adam and put into Christ. Totally new category. You were raised in him to walk with him. Yes. Right. Like yes. Like literally, when when you see baptisms, and we've got some coming up, think about that. When they're that symbolism of being buried, and then they're raised to walk in newness of life. A life that they never knew apart from Jesus. Uh, so that's where the sanctification process begins. Why? Because it is contrary to your nature. Yes. So you've got to learn the whole new playbook. And luckily, thanks be to God, he's given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. That that we don't have to, like again, rest in our power or our ability, but our faithfulness. Right. right? He saved us. So when you understand this doctrine... It leads you to a place like, I want to obey him. He has saved me. He brought me from death to life. Not not from drowning or sinking or somehow slipping down the slide and, and we were saved from death. No, we were dead and we were brought to life. And this See, doesn't exempt you. So, so often the first objection is, well, who can resist God's will, right? If we're dead and only he can raise us, who can? No, no, this does not exempt you from First of all, we're already uh, we're under we're already under judgment, right? Does Whoever Paul doesn't answer? believe on the Son is already who is God to? Yeah. Who are you, old yeah. man? Who are you, old man? So, so you have a response. The, the gospel is a command: repent and believe, and you have an obligation. Now, here's the good news, right? This is one of my favorite poems that John Bunyan wrote. It says, "Run, John, run! The law commands, but it gives you neither feet nor hands. Much better news the gospel brings." It gives you, it bids you fly and gives you wings. So again, the provision for what you need is already there in Christ. And you come whosoever will. If you want to come, come, right? There's, there's no, Jesus does not turn anyone away. Now you got to, you know, are you coming to the the Jesus of the Bible or are you coming to the picture of Jesus that you see and is presented in our culture, right. which is a completely different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. But don't don't take don't take away your responsibility. Just to emphasize that because that's important. God people, is. people try to take the trap. Oh, God's sovereign, and I'm already dead, so can't do anything. No, you're responsible. You're already under judgment. If you come to God for mercy, yeah, whoever has he will here, give, here, here. Yeah, He will give you mercy. He won't turn you away if yeah. you come to Him. Here, so here's uh, 
the response. So the, when you understand total depravity, okay, then you start to understand what is meant by the term savior, okay? If you don't understand total depravity, you cannot understand what is meant by Jesus being referred to as the Savior, Jesus right. Christ, Lord and Savior, okay? Now, when you understand total depravity, the word Savior then is placed in its proper context. Mm -hmm. Then the result of that then, when you have this mindset, this worldview, this understanding, then your worship all of a sudden gets deep and it gets emotional and mm -hmm. it gets rich and it gets it humbling because you like on Sundays when we worship together you're singing these songs and it talks about the Savior the Deliverer Jesus saved me and you have in your mind that I in myself I am totally depraved so he had to be the Savior so that this logically logical response to that is is just thankfulness mm -hmm. and it explodes yeah. It explodes. That's the uh, natural or supernatural response in the heart of the Christian. That's right. And then leads into, as Michael was saying, obedience. Like all of this stuff that just flows out of it. Because I could not, I did not save myself because I could not save myself and I didn't want to be saved yes. in myself to yeah. begin with. So he literally gave me the want to yes. and the, uh, the privilege, the right. To right. be saved, so he's done all of it. And so, what else can I do now? Like, but well, you know, I, 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 I'm going to follow him. Mm -hmm. So that's the there, logical response. There, there's there's an interesting verse here in John. Uh, a lot of people quote John one twelve, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right, and they stop there. And what, what's, the, what's the cause, what's the root? Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man. So, so how is someone saved? Is it the person? Is it their decision? It says right. here, but of God. Yep. That there salvation, when you preached on Jonah, Michael, salvation is of the Lord. He, yes. he acknowledged that. And that, again, this ties in very intricately with you know the 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 fifth sola that God gets all the glory, and we get the benefit right. of the inheritance of the saints in life. Yep, we get the right to be sons of God. I, I do have a question for you guys, and I'm not sure. So I've, um, you know, growing up when I first heard about Calvinism, going back and forth on it, uh, you know, for a while there, I was using terminology that even Christians are totally depraved, and so recently. Uh, in the last few years at least, you know, I've started shifting my language. What's your opinion on is the Christian, the believer, the legitimate born-again New Covenant believer, are they totally depraved? No. In the sense that we use for the unbeliever. No, because their heart is, is they're given a new heart. Yes. Uh, yes. And their mind is being renewed. So we're uh, we're depraved. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't think total depravity would 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 fit the Christian because of those reasons. We've got a new heart, heart of stone was taken out and given a heart of flesh, and our mind is being renewed. 
Um, and so, yeah, I would say no. We have new motives, new motivations. Right. What do you think, Mike? I mean, totally depraved by nature. I mean, because Paul still says we were, and I mean, you even look at his wording, we were children of wrath by nature. Right. So, I mean, it's right. shifted even there where he's saying were. So, I mean, there's got to be some implication that we're, I mean, you were currently as a, a child of God, if you've repented and believed in the gospel, not totally depraved. Um, the spirit is not totally depraved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's that's I, I I'm really glad to hear that because and I, I throw it around too. Oh, you did this because you're you're totally depraved to Christians and and there's a sense in which that's kind of true, but it's not. And the Kings of Door I think address this nicely here. It says right. that um, that they might rightly understand and discern the things of the Spirit of God. Uh, let's see, but by the efficacy of the same regenerating spirit, he pervades the inmost recesses of man, he opens the closed and softens the hard, hardened heart, and circumcises that which was uncircumcised, infuses new qualities into the will, which, though heretofore were dead, he quickens, makes alive. From being evil, disobedient, and refractory, he renders it good, obedient, and pliable actuates and strengthens it so so you know the christian has a new nature mm -hmm. which we did not right. have prior to right. conversion and so really we're not well, yeah, totally you're a new depraved. creature yeah right? we're yeah. a new creation in christ like you're still living in the shell um, right. but with a new heart and the heart yeah. the heart's what i mean ultimately like guides your actions not your skin not your actual flesh or shell um but it's your heart so yeah. final thoughts comments good topic it's heavy though you know it's not we don't by nature realize this <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean right i'm a good guy you know i'm not all bad yeah my, my my final thoughts are this i think uh we all go through different stages of life and we feel like you know in some stage we're doing better and another we're not and it, it's up and down but i think it's so important to remember who we were prior to conversion as we were going through ephesians in our small group that questions that question keeps on coming up why should you remember the state in which you were? And again, it's constant glory to God. And whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. So if we realize how bad off we were from birth, prior to conversion, no matter what that age was, we are just gonna be so much more grateful and, and, and thankful and even work harder because of the security that he secured for us. So I'd say if you think you're a good person, by what standard? By my standard, maybe. By God's standard, no. And that's exemplified in the law. Yeah, it's like, are you good compared to me? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Are you good compared to Jesus? Uh, nope. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, uh -uh. Yep, absolutely. Well, we pray that this podcast episode helps you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have questions about this episode, um, please send them in to newhilloh.com slash ask. You can go there, fill out the form, and we'll get that, and we'll answer your questions here on the podcast. All right, church, go and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Godspeed. Boom.